0: Betches Media presents Diet Starts Tomorrow with host Aileen Drexler.
1: I'm having a relationship with my pizza.
0: In a world where wellness looks perfect on Instagram. Just doing my workout, Tuesday's arms and back. But feels anything but in real life. Is butter a carb? Yes. This is the podcast exploring the emotional side of well-being. I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie. From people who understand the struggle. I am on the third
2: day of my cleanse diet.
3: Hello, and welcome to Diet Stars Tomorrow. I'm your host, Aileen, and for today's guest, we have Megan Roop. She's a celebrity trainer and founder of the Sculpt Society, which is full body sculpting and easy dance cardio, and it is also very famous. Everyone I know knows it. And today, we're gonna be talking all about fitness, including some of the things we're probably all just doing wrong during our workouts. So welcome to the show, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I mean, okay. So this isn't the first time we've spoken. You were a guest on Betcha's Moms, and this was like a year ago. And you were like forty-seven weeks pregnant. I don't oh, know. You I was were like, about get to this child
1: out of me. <laughs> I think I was very cranky on that episode.
3: No, you were. If that was you cranky. <laughs> what are you when you're nice? I don't. <laughs> you were forty-seven. I was like right behind you. Yeah. And here we are today.
1: I know. We made it on the other side, which is really exciting. <laughs> almost. Yeah. I'm almost at a year. You're, you were past year, right? It was June that we spoke? June. June 2nd. I know. She turned one in, on June 2nd, which is just honestly so wild because this year feels like so much has happened, but it's also like flown by at the same time.
3: Right. It's crazy. Well, congratulations on your cute.
1: birthday, really, you. <laughs> for
3: you. That's exciting. Harlow
1: is your daughter, right? Yes. Yeah. So my husband's last name is Humphrey, and we really wanted an HH name, which was I very like difficult, by the way.
3: <laughs> very chic. <laughs> well, congratulations. That's awesome. And I am really excited to talk to you all about Sculpt Society because, you know, it's been a hard time postpartum to like get back in the groove of like finding like what movement is and you're all about like just, you know, move and yeah. do what works for you. Yeah. Just for people who don't know what the Sculpt Society is and like kind of your yeah. approach, can you share how you approach fitness?
1: Yeah. So the Sculpt Society, your intro is perfect. I really approach it full body. So it's full body sculpting to the beat of the music. I sprinkle in really easy to follow, simplified dance cardio. But if dance cardio is not your thing, I have so many videos on the app, which are all low impact, full body sculpt. And it's really, for me, empowering women through movement. That's really my why and why I'm, I'm doing what I do and feel so... um aligned in what I am doing. Because for so many years, I struggled with that, struggling to feel at home in my body, to feel confident in myself. And really, it was the missing part for me was finding a way of moving my body that really felt joyful. And I think when you can enjoy your workout, when you can have fun with your workout, that's when people really build that consistency and build that habit. And so I think there's so many parts that go into fitness. But Another big part of my approach to fitness is really telling my clients, telling my community to commit to less so that they can show up more. Because I think it can feel like we're being told over and over we need to be doing hours of workouts a day to, for it to be effective, but it really doesn't. And so I'm all about committing to small chunks of movement because energetically you are going to feel a shift, not only physically, but for your mental health with just five to 10 minutes a day. And if 30 minutes, feels overwhelming. Sometimes even 20 minutes feels overwhelming. How can we take that back a little bit, peel that onion back a little bit and just commit to smaller chunks of movement, give my clients, my community the freedom to say, that's okay. That's enough for me today. We're all busy. Because again, it goes back to that building of that consistency. That's the secret sauce of of a long journey within our fitness um, lifetime, you know? Right. No, I like that. It's definitely
3: very approachable. Can you really make changes in your body in such small
1: intervals of time per day? I think if it's well programmed, <laughs> like the school of society is, you know, i'm I'm not wasting your time in ten minutes. I'm really getting your heart rate up in a low impact way. If you are doing a low impact c- class or maybe you're doing a cardio class, whatever it is. I'm really programming it in an efficient, effective way using compound movement different body parts. It's always full body. That's always my approach. So yeah, I really do believe that you can. And to be honest, nine times out of 10, if you do a five or 10 minute video, most of the time you're going to feel so good afterwards that you're probably going to want to do another one and you'll right. stack it.
3: Yeah. Cause you're like, Oh, I got into these. I'm going to sweat in these workout clothes. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to waste just on 10 minutes if I'm going like, to throw I mean, them in the or wash. Or the endorphins
1: <laughs> are running and you're like, Oh my gosh, right. how? Yeah, I, do. <laughs> I just feel so much better after 10 minutes. Like, I I have enough energy for maybe another five or 10 minute video. That's
3: true. Is sculpting the same as strength training? Like are those synonymous or are those two different things?
1: Yeah, we're using our body weight. We're also using light light lightweight and and ankle weights. If you, I always say it's an option. Most of my workouts you can really do with no equipment, Mm -hmm. but absolutely your strength training, using your body weight. um, And, and that is such an important aspect of fitness to make sure you're incorporating strength in, sculpt in, however that looks for you, Um, especially for women as we age, it's it's really important. And I think for me, it wasn't until I lowered the amount of cardio I was doing, because for so Mm -hmm. many years, it was ingrained, especially as a woman that I need to do hours of cardio a day. But it actually wasn't until I took that down and turned up the sculpt, turned up the strength training that I saw a big impact in not only how I felt, but the physical, difference in my body as well. And and so I think that's also retraining my community that we don't need to be doing an hour of cardio every day. That's absolutely ridiculous. And we can get our heart rate up in different low impact ways, if it's well programmed, that are going to be just as effective, right?
3: Yeah. What's your background in fitness? Like, where did you start that brought you to
1: this approach? Yeah. So I think my relationship with fitness has been a really rocky one. I remember, you know, as a dancer, I grew up dancing. That was my movement practice. I then went to NYU's Tisch Dance program. And then after I graduated, it was like, how do I stay in shape while I am auditioning for professional dance work? And I remember... You know, being at like Crunch Fitness, like on the treadmill and on like the stair stepper, and just hating every second of my time there. Right? I feel like we've all gone through that. And it really wasn't until I found dance-based fitness that things really clicked for me. And so, while I was dancing professionally, I was teaching fitness um, and really like diving into different modalities, whether it was dance-based fitness or reformer Pilates or yoga, and just really loving that boutique experience that was exploding in New York at the time. But I really felt like there was such a a missing class out there for someone who wasn't a dancer, who wanted a full body sculpting class that was fun, um, that had some dance cardio, but it was simplified and it was not overcomplicated. And I think when I was thinking about the Sculpt Society, I really wanted to deliver that, a really fun, effective class that was under an hour that anyone that came and experienced it felt successful. Um, and, and it was really about the community of women coming in to feel really strong and empowered.
3: Yeah. You could do it at home, right? It's not just in person.
1: Yeah. So 99% of, of what I'm doing now is all digital. So um, I started yeah. the Sculpt Society in New York in 2017. And then in November of 2019, um, launched the Sculpt Society app. In
3: 2019? Just right honestly right before the (laughs) very that was great timing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I felt I felt really grateful for me for that my silver lining was that I had that already in place and was already building upon it and kind of already worked the tweaks and all of that. And I think what's so special about the Sculpt Society app is just the robust offering. I have so much on there and really have tailored so much of of what I'm doing now based on community feedback with quick workouts, just like we were talking about. I think so many of us are experiencing digital fatigue. So how can I make pressing play on a video at home just easier? Um, And and then for me, of course, last year I was pregnant and how can I make and build out a really robust, really effective pre and postnatal program that I really felt wasn't hadn't done, been done before. I felt like there was a lot of prenatal yoga and gentle sculpting, but what about that woman who really wanted to work out when they were pregnant and really had the energy and felt like they wanted something athletic? And so, I was really really excited to bring that to life on the Sculpt Society app and do that pregnant because I think when yeah. you're pregnant and postpartum and you're experiencing all of these body changes. To see someone else go through it with you feels so much less lonely because I know that feeling of feeling like very isolated and alone and all that was going on. So it was exciting for me to put that on camera and to record it um, and to again make women feel like they were less alone in that process and feel guided um, in a safe right. setting.
3: Yeah, I love that. I definitely agree with you. There was very little out there prenatal because a lot of everything I kept like kind of coming across was just like, how to learn to breathe <laughs> and I was like I don't feel like I'm working out right now am I going crazy <laughs> um well, that so part's really I important that. I do no, I know a whole <laughs>
1: pelvic floor and breathing program but I know. no I did want you know if if you were like used to really working out yeah and, yeah exactly you, you had that
2: It feels like cat food has been the same forever. Smelly, boring, made of mystery ingredients. That's why you've got to try Small's. Small's cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge. And it's delivered right to your door. Make the switch from kibble and give your cat a meal they'll love. We actually sent some to my friend who is fostering kittens, and it is the only thing they will eat. It comes in these pate packages, and you scoop it, and you just feel like... You're a chef for your baby kitties and they adore it. Your cute kitty is descended from ferocious desert cats who hunted live prey. Even if your cat prefers to nap all day, they still need fresh, protein-packed meals for a balanced and healthy diet. Other brands fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts, artificial flavoring, and preservatives with names I don't even want to try to pronounce. After switching it up to Smalls, 90% of cat owners reported overall health improvements. That's major. The team at Smalls is so confident your cat will love their product that you can try it regularly.
0: Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always find the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you, Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead.
3: You do a lot of videos on your Instagram about like what people could be doing incorrectly that are is it causing pain or is just not being efficient. You're not like doing the workout properly and it's not really doing what you want it to do. You're not spending that time in a productive way, I guess you could say. First of all, before we get into that, like how do you teach people to do it properly if they're doing it at home? Like people don't have mirrors. It's, yeah, You don't have like body self-awareness. <laughs> How do you do that?
1: Yeah. I think that's what makes a program great or not great, depending on the instructor and in your history with teaching. You know, I have 10 plus years teaching fitness, group fitness, private training. And so I really know <laughs> points in a class where maybe things need to be tweaked or what common mistakes I would see when I was teaching. So I think Hopefully when you've taken a Sculpt Society class online, you feel my guidance, you feel my cues, you feel those little things I'm saying at the right moment, whether it is a body change or, or even a mental change, right? Like, you know, like your, your mind's gone to your to-do list. There's certain points and exercises I know because I've seen it time and time again.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we talk about like some things that you see? that like yeah. are usually done
1: incorrectly and that like you could help improve
3: just through like talking through. What um, yeah. What's the number one thing that you see that you wish you could just like everyone just listen to me and just change this one <laughs> thing. You'll feel so much better. Like what what is that one thing?
1: I think a lot of people experience lower back pain when it comes to any hip mobility or glute work. <laughs> and oftentimes that's because naturally we have a little bit of an arch in our low back. So if we're in a tabletop position, quadruped, whatever you want to call it, oftentimes we tend to sink into our low back. And when we do sink in, our core isn't engaged. So I think a cue I am always talking about to my community is really how to engage your core in that tabletop, wrapping those transverse abdominals. What is that? Your transverse abdominals is like your corset muscle wrapping from back to front and really eliminating that big arch in your back, by drawing your core up and finding a neutral spine. Neutral spine's a little tricky because it's not like a flat board, right? There's, a, there's just like a, a neutral spine has a little bit of an arch, but again, I'm not, I'm talking about a big arch in your back. And so I think just talking clients through that basic setup really sets you up for more success within my glute work. I also think there's this misconception that a higher leg in my glute work Means like a better, more effective uh, mm-hmm. exercise, and it really doesn't because oftentimes when you're whacking your leg super high, that means you have a big arch in your back and your core is not involved. So just because we're working our butt, I want you to still be working your core, lowering that range of motion, maintaining that neutral spine, and just lifting your leg. Maybe it's an a, you're barely getting off of the floor, but you're initiating from your core and and your glute, and you're you're gonna feel. The difference. Um, and it's going to be so much more effective.
3: I know what you're talking about with that like leg raise, because I've definitely been one of those people who are like, yeah, because I'm the like, competitive. I'm like, yeah, I can go as high as possible. And, like, <laughs> my back hurts for yeah. several years. Yeah. So what I mean, and you said just like even an inch, but for somebody like you're working out and you're doing it at home, how do you know where is the appropriate level to stop and like to go. I think
1: you start to feel it in your back, right? If you're whacking your leg after like the 8th rep, you're going to start to feel it. I think a mirror sure is helpful. You can even tactilely like touch your back, feeling that neutral spine, is there an arch in my back? And and I'm constantly talking about mind to muscle, like actually thinking about your core lifting that navel, wrapping I think there's lots of things we can do. And I think it's also figuring out what works for you. Maybe sometimes visually, you're a visual person. Maybe you do need to put up a small mirror. Maybe you're vocal and it's listening to my cues. And maybe it's tactile and you're actually touching yourself and feeling it.
3: Yeah. The best like change I've ever made, like even working in my in the past, like working out, was just figuring out like kind of the tucking of the of the tailbone to yeah. like engage the core. Because and then I would recognize from that oh, I'm like almost at failure because my back was giving in. So like, you know, that's when it's starting to hurt because I don't—I only have like one more rep and that's really what's left. But before then I would just keep going because I didn't understand that that's actually like, you're not doing anything, you're, yeah. you're hurting yourself, your core's not working, it's not engaged yeah. anymore. Yeah.
1: Or if you're, you're taking that type of class and you're waking up in the morning the next day and you feel a little bit of an ache in that low back, I think that's also just a sign that that, yeah. that range of that that technique isn't set up correctly.
3: Yeah. You said that was for glutes, but that's your abs too, right? Yes.
1: Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. You know your oh,
3: stuff. You. Yeah. Been so working that's out another, forever <laughs> lots of back injuries.
1: <laughs> that's a really another big one for me is a lot of a lot of my community will feel or or you know give me feedback. Oh, I'm feeling my back when we're doing core work. And again, it's the setup for me, and I'm constantly s- talking about that. But when you are on your back and you're, you're doing some crunches, it's setting up that neutral spine. So it is a slight tuck of that pelvis, thinking about that pubic bone to the ceiling, but it's not a big tuck. Again, it's like a little mm-hmm. tricky, right? It's a neutral spine. Naturally, you're, you're going to have a small curve in your, in your spine. Um, I constantly am saying, you know, thinking about that low back to the mat, realistically, you're not going to have your low back on the mat the whole time. But I think, again, that's, A cue of uh, uh, something I can say for people to imagine what that's going to feel like. And then I'm also saying, you know, touch your low back. Like, is there a big space in between that low back? I also think the cue there is oftentimes clients can put, should put their entire upper body and eliminate the crunch so that they can really focus on the core, the, the setup of the neutral spine, and really take the range of motion down. Because sometimes when we add that crunch, it's hard to focus on what the the back should be doing. Right. And then you're focusing on your neck. Exactly. And then people are actively pulling on their neck and they're like, I have neck pain. So I, I will always say, like, if you're a beginner or if you're feeling your neck, eliminate that upper body and concentrate on your core and the legs and take that range of motion down. Oftentimes, again, people say we're doing a bicycle crunch. We're switching out right to left, right? Bend straight, bend straight. That lower, that straight leg can oftentimes go too low. And when it goes too low and your core is not strong enough, that's when we start to arch our back because our back wants to take over. So take that range of motion up. It doesn't need to be a super low leg, it can be Higher, it could be ninety degrees. I don't really care as long as you are feeling your core. The technique is right. That's when you start to build it in.
3: Yeah, those videos that you post are really helpful when you like show the, the like what people might be doing wrong, and then like when you physically just push your abs down, and then the that's definitely like when your back is when you feel that there is no like you are saying that you feel it. There is no gap, and then. If you lower your leg way too far, like it'll just pop out because your abs can't sustain it. But yeah, it's, yeah. you still feel it, even if you're just going like three inches down from that ninety degrees. But as long as your back is still
1: to Well the and honestly, you should be feeling it more if your te- if the if your back is in a neutral position mm-hmm. and your core is engaged, rather than going super low and having a big arched back. You're not really you're not working your core yeah. at all. You're working your low back.
3: Right, right, right. I've seen you show videos about arms because it's also like dance cardio or mm-hmm. even maybe arms when it comes to doing lightweights. what what can we do?
1: Yeah, better? I think, or you know another good one we could talk on is um, dance cardio and foot placement. I mm. think with arms, I have sequences called dancing arms, and so you're not holding on to anything. and so oftentimes clients just A, it can feel a little silly at first, so I think when you're doing them, You're creating resistance in the air like you're moving through water. Think like old school Jane Fonda, right? You're pulsing your arms out to the side. But unless you have that resistance that you're creating, unless you're reaching energetically through your fingertips, you're going to have like noodle arms. And if you're just pulsing your noodle arms to the side, you're kind of like WTF what are you doing? Right? Like nothing's happening. If you are actively (laughs) reaching for something, there is energy and you're reaching and you're pulsing up and down as if you have weight on your arm and you're pulsing up and down, you're going to feel that so much differently. So I think it's a a combination of things. It's like doing enough of my dancing arms to feel confident because it, it changes quickly. But then with intention thinking about what we're actually doing with those dancing arms. And you'll really start to feel the burn so much more when you create that resistance in the air for yourself.
3: It's like big bird versus like black swan. (laughs) It's (laughs) like you're like flapping or you're like, you know, Natalie Portman and black swan. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Exactly. She's intense. (laughs) She's intense. And then with, with dance cardio, I think the misconception is most people think it's jumping on the balls of their feet. Mm. And I see this all of the time. And when you jump on the balls of your feet with dance cardio, you're putting so much stress on your calf muscle because you're not getting the entire foot on the ground. Your calf is like, you know, pulled the Mm -hmm. whole time. And therefore you will have, you'll end up having shin splints. Your calves will be super sore the next day. So what we want to think about in dance cardio is rolling through the whole foot, which can be counterintuitive because we think of dance cardio as up, 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 up. But we want to think about almost like the grounded feeling of Mm -hmm. rolling through that entire foot. And again, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't understand what you're saying, you can check out my video because I think sometimes seeing what that actually looks like is helpful. And I also don't see a lot of clients doing my dance cardio with no sneakers on. And that's a big no-no. Like Absolutely not. You are you have so many small little bones in your feet. We want to protect your feet when you are jumping. So making sure you're in a good sneaker, making sure you're rolling through that entire foot. And then also small little tricks of just like stretch, taking a moment to stretch your calves before and after dance cardio are really all going to help protect your feet and protect you from shin splints. Oh man, I've done
3: so many like dance cardio classes and I like I'm s- my calves hurt so much the next day. Yeah. And I just thought that's like oh maybe my body is not really set for dance cardio like
1: maybe I'm just not
3: meant to do this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I never thought about putting my foot down. Yeah, I mean also were you doing like an hour of dance cardio then yeah. you might have like yeah, it might have just been a too much. <laughs>
3: it was like yeah. back in the day like and it was fun, but I yeah. was just I like couldn't
1: move. Yeah, and again it could be a combination. It could have been like you not getting your whole foot on, you probably weren't in a great sneaker and you probably didn't stretch your calves before and after.
3: Yeah, none of the above. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> Are there any more just off the top of your head? I anymore? mean, I have so many. I'm actually about to this week I have a mistakes I see with just a curtsy squat. So, a curtsy squat can be tricky I think for a lot of people. Have you done a curtsy squat Eileen? Is that like like a <laughs> like sumo a squat lunge? With your across?
3: Oh, like in the back. Yeah, I've done it. Yeah. I
1: just I don't love lunges, but yeah. <laughs> hurt my knees. <laughs> oh, you do. Okay. okay. So here we go. If you hurt your knees, I think oftentimes it's even if it's a regular lunge, it's the weight distribution in your front heel. So when we're doing a lunge, we can put a lot of weight into our toes, and what we want to do is shift the weight back into that front heel with a curtsy squat it's the same thing but because we're crossed a lot of clients your hips imagine they are like a tail light on a car we want to keep them centered but because we're going into a crossed lunge we will oftentimes rotate mm-hmm. that open hip that the same leg that's working that hip bone's going to open up and so what we want to do is think about squaring those hips off and then the weight distribution of that front leg instead of leaning your tush to the side, we want to still think about pulling that weight into our heel and as if we're sitting into a chair. So your booty is still pulling back instead of sinking to the side. Does that make sense? Like you're still sitting into that chair instead of like pushing your hip out to the side. Right. And then I, a lot of times see clients hunched over in a lunge, like their upper body is leaned over. Mm -hmm. I'm always talking about being strong and proud. Your chest remains up and lifted in lunges. Or squats. Or squats, yeah. It's hard, especially like if
3: you're doing squats with weights, sometimes you'll like – Exactly. It's, you're holding too heavy of a weight and you're mm-hmm. leaning forward or you're not like just like doing it properly. Yep. I've had like knee stuff forever, but I was working with a trainer and before to try to like heal it, but then postpartum my back. So I was – I feel like an old lady, but <laughs> – The silver lining is I've recently felt a lot better and I think I've strengthened things, but I think I'm going to start to try to do some like low impact sculpting because I've never done that in a real consistent way before. And you're convincing me right now (laughs) about the mini workout thing.
1: I think if you don't come from that world, you can see those. I got a really hilarious DM the other day. It was like, I found you on TikTok. I thought your (laughs) workouts looked like a joke. And then I signed up for your free two week I just did a free two-week challenge on the app. I signed up for your two-week free challenge, and oh my gosh, I get it now. This is the most effective, fun workout I've ever done. So I think there's just a misconception a lot of times with low-impact sculpt type of workouts. But if you stay open-minded with it and you give it a go, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised how actually athletic and challenging it can be.
3: Yeah. I think it's because like a lot of trainers, and I have nothing against like – strength training, trainers, like lots of friends who are that, and they're just like loud about it on social media or wherever about like how, you know, heavy, lift heavy, you know, lose weight, all that stuff. And so you feel like, okay, but if lifting heavy you're saying claiming is the only way, what about everybody else who does the low impact, low weight sculpting? So what is the misconception?
1: Listen, it's like diet, right? not every one food approach or fitness approach is gonna be right for you and your Mm -hmm. body. You have to do the work to figure out what, A, feels good for your body. Does it bring you joy? Do you look forward to it? Are you gonna be able to consistently show up for it? Like there's so many factors that go into it that I get frustrated when I hear people say like, this is the only way you should be moving your body. It's, you know, it, it just takes time to figure out what that looks like for you.
3: Well, this is a great place to jump into some like listener questions. We have a lot that came for you. Like I said, people know you. And I think coming from this conversation, so say somebody is going from, I've been lifting heavy my whole life and I want to get into the low impact. What would be like an ideal workout schedule for a week?
1: Yeah. So I think that's something too when I, when I, approach the Sculpt Society app, I'm a really big proponent about programs because I think we are all dealing with so many decisions every day. How can I take that decision fatigue and be like, here is what you're going to do. So for someone like that, honestly, A, first I would have them take our personalized workout finder quiz. Like, what are you looking to do? Do you like dance cardio? No, you hate dance cardio. Okay. You just want to do Sculpt. How much time can you commit, right? There's all these factors that I think depend on that type of person. I'm going to pretend this person is coming from that world. They don't want to do dance cardio. They have 30 minutes a day and they're an intermediate advanced client. They've Mm -hmm. done some sculpting in the past. so They're not completely new to it. I have two 30 minute, I call it spicy and 30 minute programs. One's with no cardio, no dance cardio. And one's with sculpting dance cardio for this person. Likely their quiz results would be Okay, you've got 30 minutes a day. Here's your spicy in 30 minutes, no dance cardio, full body sculpt, low impact. Each day, I put you through one video that's around 30 minutes. I give you two rest days. I ask you to go outside for a walk on those rest days. You take a stretch. But of those five days, you're likely doing a 30-minute sculpt, which is arms, abs, and booty. And then the other day, you're going to do a 30-minute full body, which is arms, standing legs, booty, and abs. Okay. So really my, my approach, even if it's a third, my approach is really always full body. So it's not like arm day, leg day. That's not how I approach movement. My, my approach is always full body. Um, so you're going to most likely hit all of it every day. Okay.
3: And that's how many days a week are you, you're saying five.
1: I'm saying five. I'm also a big proponent of like, Hey, are you used to working out five days a week? If you're not, let's start with two or three days a week. Commit to that. So I'm giving you like a very broad, okay, if you have five days, great. But if you miss a day or two in that week, that's okay. Continue to show up, continue to move on. Um, I just want to give my clients, if they're looking for that full five days, something to do.
3: Yeah. So I have a few questions here sort of about like, One is struggling to get out of bed to work out in the mornings and I have Mm -hmm. no time at night because I have Mm -hmm. kids. Any advice? Somebody else is saying, I find it so hard to find time to work out during the work week. Can I just do 20 minute workouts a few times a week? Help. Yeah.
1: I think the biggest demo in my community is busy working women, busy working Mm -hmm. moms. Everyone doesn't have time. And that's why I've really started to lean into this concept of committing to less to show up more because here's the deal a lot of times, People will say that and they just won't do anything because they are so busy and because they believe that 10 minutes isn't quote unquote enough. I would so much rather that person do one 10 minute video three, four, five times a week than do one long workout a week and feel shitty about the rest of their days. So I would say to that community, if you're listening and you are busy and you're like, I I have literally 10 minutes and that's it, or I don't have the energy, commit to less. Commit to just 10 minutes. I want you to do 10 minutes for four weeks. I have a quickie program, two quickie programs, one with dance cardio, one with not. Do one of those. I'm literally gonna tell you the exact video to do every single day. You can pick one of the videos. You can stack a couple, really depends. But I would say start small. Pick one video that I'm suggesting each day and do that for four to eight weeks. Be Mm -hmm. successful with that. Show up for yourself in that way. See how you feel and then keep going with it. Cause most likely you're gonna want to start to add on. I like that advice. And I think that's also very like you can
3: manage that, especially if you're thinking about it. It's either you do the 10 minutes however many times a week for the next four weeks, or you don't do anything. Like at the end of those four or eight weeks, even if nothing happens, because you're not like a believer in those 10 minutes, even if nothing happens, you did something and nothing,
1: right? But Something will happen because right. in 10 minutes, you energetically shift physically how you feel, but honestly, most importantly, mentally how you feel. And that goes into the rest of your day. That goes into your relationships, into your job. Right. It goes into everything. And that is the power of movement. As right. cheesy as that sounds. No, I, I believe you. Yeah. So, so important. So, that's to me, when people are like, does 10 minutes work? Yes. It does. Mm -hmm. Right.
3: All right. Another question. This person asked, what is the best exercise for my core? And so my follow-up to that is, is there a best exercise for any body part? Is there a most effective
1: XYZ for
0: glutes,
3: core,
1: anything? Again, I think it really depends on the person's fitness level, their technique. Are they advanced? Are they beginner? I would say my favorite core exercise is honestly a plank. And that's because it's always hard. <laughs> I, just, right. I don't know. It always never it seems to get easier. I think there's a, m- a million different variations on a plank. And I love that it's really full body. So yes, I'm getting my core, but I'm also getting my arms. I'm getting everything. Um, and I feel like you can modify a plank. Even if you're a beginner, you can go into you know, a kneeling plank and hold there. So yeah, I love a plank. I don't know if that's like, I don't know to answer your question, like you said, I don't know that there's like one all, you know, end all core exercise. But your favorite is a plank.
3: Yeah. I mean, it is, it's really challenging and and like you can just keep adding more time when, you know. Yeah.
1: I mean, I love sliders in a plank, like holy (laughs) core burn, like a slider, like my, I have an advanced nine minute plank video with sliders and I die every time. Yeah, If you like, but in the best way, like it's just so challenging because you're, causing instability in in an already challenging movement with a a slider. And so it almost, again, feels like you're on a reformer. Again, when I was thinking about the Sculpt Society, I love reformer Pilates. I can't bring a reformer into my home. So how can I give you that feeling? And that's what really sliders do for me. And so when I have sliders on, I feel like I'm on a reformer and it is super challenging.
3: What Can you share, like now just to connect two conversations, when somebody's doing a plank, I'm sure you've seen So many incorrect forms for
1: planks. Yeah.
3: What is, you know, how do you at home feel like you're you're
1: holding a plank properly? Yeah, I think the setup is super important. It's making sure that your hands are underneath your shoulders. I would say nine times out of ten, most people have their hands in front of them. So Mm -hmm. the weight distribution is really important. And then again, going back to your back. When someone can't hold a plank correctly, their their back starts to arch and that's to me a cue that you sh- that that person needs to modify. Maybe they need to put their knees down, maybe they need to elevate. I love an elevated plank too. Like you could use a wall, you could use a chair uh-huh. and really focus on that neutral spine setup. So those are two big ones I always see in a plank. Yeah. I think too when we start to, to add on to a plank in like more challenging sequences, our weight distribution naturally wants to move back in our hands. So I will cue a lot of times to keep that weight distribution over those hands underneath those shoulders. So nothing changes about the weight distribution. It's just that leg moving. Maybe it's a side tap to the side or a knee pull, whatever it is. But notice how that weight distribution doesn't shift. I see a lot of times clients shifting back because they can't hold the correct technique back like it, so that it makes that their actual, their hands start to go forward. Exactly. From under exactly. your shoulders.
3: What about like keeping your shoulders like back? Like what is the proper position yeah, for that?
1: You're, I, I see a lot of times in class and even I notice that sometimes I'll be editing yeah. a video and I'll be like, oh, my, my upper back is rounding. So right. Mm-hmm. So you'll kind of can see that rounded shoulder. It's actively pressing out of the floor, out of your shoulders and drawing a long line from head to tailbone. So really finding that connection with your shoulder blades, drawing together, and then down your back. And that, again, takes time. The more advanced sequences that happen, naturally, you're going to want to come out of that and start to round your shoulders. Um, But that's what's so fun about fitness. It's honestly constantly a journey. You're never going to get to a... I've never gotten to a place where I'm like, I've nailed it. I'm perfect. (laughs) There's always something to work on. Um, And if you can look at fitness in that way, I think it's really helpful and you, it allows you to be more playful with it. And something I'm always talking about in my classes is never needing to be perfect, right? Like, yeah. you're gonna men- mess up. I mess up all the time. Like, workouts and exercises are never go- needing to be perfect. It's just, again, a constant journey of like understanding your body and sequences and, and moving through that. Yeah, for sure.
3: I think also that's just to go back to that shoulder thing, like, I found that when I started to push it. Out, like push up not back or forward that like my wrist started to hurt less like I was putting too much pressure on that.
1: So I was gonna bring that up a lot of complaints I always get is wrist pain in mm-hmm. in planks and so there's so many things that we can do for that so I really love to fold my mat two or three times and then I put the elevated part of the mat on my palm and my fingertips on the floor so there's some elevation so there's less of a break in that wrist and it's a little bit more um, straight. The other thing we can do, obviously, we can go down to our forearms. We could make a fist. Or you can even tent your fingertips in a plank, which sounds a little weird. But again, that allows for the the wrist to break a little bit less. So you can Mm -hmm. lift out into a tented fingertip position.
3: One more question, because I also feel this, so I can very much relate. And I never thought to ask anyone about it. What do I do about constant joint popping in workouts? Am I okay?
1: <laughs> That's what she wrote. I know that a lot of times that can just be like tight IT bands or tight quads or hip flexors and just making sure that we're taking moments and time to stretch that out. Maybe if you're in, again, I don't know when this is happening for this person, but range of motion, if you're in doing, if it's popping in a, in a, and abs on back, taking down your range of motion. Those would be my my few cues. It is normal though. <laughs> I think a lot of people that. She's okay, hip-hopping. right? Yeah, she's like okay. all of us.
3: The craziest is when it's so loud though. Like when you hear like a hip joint, like, oh
1: my God, did I just break my
3: whole body? <laughs> <laughs> it's very shocking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like she's okay. All right, Megan, is there anything else that you wanted to get across, make sure people really get or just know about? everything.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest misconception for me and what, what I'm doing with the Sculpt Society is that it's like all dance cardio. And if you're not into dance cardio, you wouldn't like the Sculpt Society. But just know that if you are curious, 90% of what I do is full body sculpting and low impact and doesn't involve dance cardio. So I have so many classes available um, on the Sculpt Society app for someone like that. And I think you know, I'm just really excited to continue to, to really empower women through movement. And I think that's the biggest feedback I get That really excites me is just the people that are doing the Sculpt Society, just the big shift that they experience in their relationship with movement and their bodies. It's a really positive place to be a positive community. I'm never talking about diet culture, six pack abs, thigh gap. That's really not the intention. You know, I always say people come for the results, but they stay for the feeling with the Sculpt Society. And that's really the truth because I think My goal is to get people to experience the joy that I feel with movement. And if you can feel that, I've done my job. I love it. You've
3: convinced me, so (laughs) you have done your job. Well, thank you so much, Megan. This has been such a good episode, very illuminating. And (laughs) Megan's gonna join us. For Thursday's Dear DST episode. Yes. So, we're going to be answering a bunch of questions, talking about DST wins. Again, if you want to submit yours, send that to DST at Betches.com. You can follow us at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram. And, guys, Megan is doing something amazing for us, the DSTers. Yeah. She's offering a seven day free trial and 25% off on your first month of the Sculpt Society. So, use code DST25 for 25% off your first month. Thank you so much. That's very generous. Of course. I'm speaking on behalf of all the DSTers. (laughs) We really appreciate you. So thank you so much. And you can follow me at Aileen. You can follow Megan at Megan Roop. And
0: we're always
1: with you through thick and thin.
0: Diet Starts Tomorrow is produced by Sean Kilby, Stacey Wong, and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Stacy Wong. Be sure to follow at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to dst at betches.com. Betches.